Being an entrepreneur has its highs and lows, just like a roller coaster. We often see the entrepreneur life get glamorized through social media, but today we are keeping it real. This is episode 182 with Sabrina Zohar. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. Sabrina is the founder of Software, a US-based ethically and environmentally conscious clothing company that is literally the softest clothing you will ever own. Today we unpack what goes into truly running a business, the differences between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur, Sabrina's why, which we really unpack, and how she rides the waves that come with owning a business. But before we dive into it, I want to take a minute to talk more than movement, our signature self-paced course that helps you unlock your potential. This 60-day program was designed with the forever athlete in mind, helping you better understand how you think, why you are wired the way that you are, and how you can best use this to your advantage. If you're tired of just going through the motions, living your life on autopilot when you know you are meant for more, go check out More Than Movement over at forever-athlete.com and unlock yourself today. Now let's dive into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Forever Athlete Radio. We are joined today by my good friend, Sabrina. How you doing, girl? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> I, I love that you were able to just walk on over here. We're recording outside. It's a beautiful sunny day. All of four minutes. Yeah. This is, this is why I moved to Venice, because everybody is within a few blocks. Yeah. What's What's been your take on that? Because I was surprised when I moved here that LA was so massive and spread out, but there are those one-offs where I've just set up my life where I just walk around the west side here. hundred percent. I remember before I moved here, my brother lives in West Hollywood and all of his friends are there. And I said, oh, I'm moving to Venice. And they're like, well, see you on holidays. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? You see me? I don't understand. Now living here, I'm like, I don't leave the three block radius. The New Yorker in me is like, no, if I can't walk there, I have no use for it. <laughs> I love, um, one of my experiences here is I had a friend that was like, oh, I want to go for, I told her I was going for a walk to go grab breakfast. And I walked from Venice to Montana in Santa Monica to um, Bardana. And she was like, wait, you're walking all the way there? I was like, yeah. And I don't know if it's just the East Coast thing or what, but she was not very happy with me. <laughs> it's the same in Florida. Literally, you're like, I'm going to walk across the street to go and get like a Starbucks. It's sacrilegious. Like, whoa, you use your legs. You're like, I know it's so strange. But in New York, I would hit like 35,000 steps a day. Yeah. So you're talking to the walking queen. So I, that's why I live, that's why I am in our neighborhood is because we're so centrally located. Uh, the rest of LA. Eh. Yeah. No, I, that's <laughs> how I feel as well. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit to and highlight your story because you gifted me so graciously one of the softest hoodies of all time. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, very intentionally, your company that you run is called Software. Where did that idea come from? And like, take us back. Oy, okay, so fa fast forward, rewind. <laughs> Let's bring us back to 2017. Um, so actually, my life changed 2016 when I, like my mom always says, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. So like, I kind of, that was like the first rock bottom I hit where I said, okay, it's enough with, I was a pack a day smoker. I was really unhealthy. It was just like, it wasn't the best version of myself. And that was the catalyst of change. And it's, it's interesting as I tell the story when you think back on hindsight mm -hmm. and you realize how everything really did work out in the way that it was supposed to, um, to kind of lead us to where we are now. And I can't wait to have this conversation in five more years. But yeah, it was 2017. Um, I was working in wholesale and 
I was at a showroom that I just, I didn't have any passion. I didn't have any love. And so I knew at that time, because I started working out, my ex is a men's health editor. I was like, oh man, I really want to be in the health and wellness field, but like, I'll just be a sales rep. I'm kind of taking that like safe road. Mm. And I was looking for jobs, couldn't get a job, nothing. My lease was up. I was like, I'll move to LA. Like I was kind of scrambling and none of it worked. And then my mom called me one day and she's like, hey, I, I, the ocean's yelling at me. She's very spiritual. And she's like, I, I think I'm going to go to the doctor. And I'll never forget saying, mom, it's all in your head. And I was like, well, sure enough. She called me a, a few hours later and was like, they found something in my scan that they don't love. Um, I need to go for testing. That mushroomed into them finding six brain aneurysms that corroded the top half of her vessel. So mm-hmm. essentially when you have an aneurysm, it's connected and you can try to kill it with a coil. No, nah, not with Helen. Hers were completely deformed and, and mutated and, It was scary because we were sitting in the doctor's office with them saying, I'm so sorry, but we just don't think there's anything we could do. And we're just hopeful that you'll make it a few more months. And it was a conversation that I just, it's surreal. Mm -hmm. And when you think back on, and then I lost my job. And at that point I was literally at rock bottom. I could not get a job with any of the active companies. My life just kind of seemed like, where am I going to go? My mom didn't have anything in sight. And... I started working for this athleisure company and everything was made in Brooklyn and she was she was just pushing the wrong things but it was so expensive and it was like 350 for a pair of pants and you're like man that's a very select niche client so I started working for her for a few months got the new apartment was like yes my life is all set and was listening to clients where they were all telling me like hey I like this stuff but why does it have to be so expensive why does sustainability and quality automatically mean four or five hundred dollars for a sweater can't we have a like a kind of common ground and her fabric was shedding and it was really really soft but it wasn't solving a problem Mm -hmm. and so one day her investor or no I'm sorry she called me to let me know that my check was going to bounce and that somebody stole all the money and the company was closing she inevitably had done that her investor called me in and said come up with a new concept prior to this I always knew I'd be an entrepreneur but I never in my world thought it would be like an athleisure company and I came up with software with my sister of like what is you know she's in the active world and she's been a spin instructor for 12 years and we were like all right what is missing in the market and listening to my mom like there was nothing for her everything was abrasive on her skin she couldn't get comfortable in the hospitals and it just led to like how do we solve this and I came up with the entire concept the investor didn't want to do it so I was back at square one being like I have this I have a super expensive apartment. I have no job. I'm literally going through my savings. My mom doesn't even know if she's going to make it. Like I'm frankly speaking, I'm fucked. And my friend introduced me to a, a, her brother and he said, let's do it ourselves. I said no. And it wasn't until the day after my mom's successful surgery where they created a coil that worked for her. And I got the photo of her in the hospital. And at that moment I called him and was like, let's do it. I can't not mm. do something that I love and I can't think about getting another shitty job and like getting you know having an argument with a boss and so that's really what brought me to software and everything that's come since i i love the full trans i mean that's one of the things that i've appreciated about you since i was first introduced to you by our friend aisha and just the transparency and the the fullness that you bring to the table every time that you and I have sat down and talked. I was like, no brainer. We got to get you on this podcast <laughs> Thank you. and share uh, because in the world of entrepreneur, everyone thinks like, oh, yeah, it's sick. Like I had someone comment on a, a TikTok yesterday that was like, easy for you to say you're living a life of luxury. <laughs> and I was like, well, if only you knew all the back end stuff. And I tried to point out as well. I was like, well, actually, you're saying this about a video where everything that I was doing in this video was a free activity. Right. I was hiking with friends. Yeah. I was jumping on a trampoline and I was jumping into a pool. It's like 
anyone can do that. It's just I made time to do it and I, and I documented it. Um, but you get it in a way that I see in L.A. There, we, know, we talked about it. A mm-hmm. lot of people playing entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. How would you define and like differentiate between actual entrepreneurship, the self-employed, and then whatever it is <laughs> that <laughs> everybody else is doing, doing. <laughs> that somebody is paying them to live? I think the biggest differentiating factor at the end of the day is do you have skin in the game? Mm. A laptop is not skin in the game. So if you can just literally open up your laptop and say, okay, I just send out a few emails or whatever, whatever, like you are self-employed. You work for yourself. Once you move on from that and have overhead, you have a space, you have employees, you have you have something that is... And even then, you're still kind of teetering on that. But nonetheless, like, then I'm fine, fine, fine. I'll give it to you. You're an entrepreneur. But true entrepreneurship, like, if I were to just decide tomorrow I don't want to do software anymore, I've got about $400,000 of inventory at a factory sitting there and credit cards and people that owe, that I owe money to. Not a lot. But nonetheless, like, there is skin in the game and there is more to this than just I close my laptop and my day is over. Mm-hmm. I don't get to live that life. And it's funny because... Before I started software, I'll never forget, I was at Market, and I saw the founders. And it was like a bunch of the brands, all the founders were walking around, and it just looked so sexy. And it was that same mindset of like, I'm going to do this. And I manifested it, and I did it, and here I am. (laughs) And that's why I'm so honest and transparent with everyone, because I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm that big like warning sign, being like, yo, 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 stop here, let's have a conversation before you go off the hill. Mm -hmm. Because once you keep driving, once you make that decision and you go for it, oof. Yeah. It will take a toll on you mentally, and like that's that's kind of the end of it for me. And nobody warned me about that when I started this, and that's where I kind of try to come out and be as transparent as possible because, you know, this is going to take the biggest toll on your mental health. And without a strong, like whether that's therapy or meditation or whatever your practice is, without that grounding and being able to come back, you'll be out of business in the first three, four fucking six months. You mean to tell me it's not all founders' breakfasts and <laughs> walks on the beach? I wish it was that performative. It can be in Venice, but yeah. realistically speaking, no. Nah. Those are like th- that's those are the people that are trying to convince themselves that they're happy. Mm. I don't need to do that. To me, it's like there's my favorite. Do you know Stephen Stephen Bartlett? Yeah, love yeah, him. Yeah. And he made a quote, and he was like, "Oh, I don't network." And I was like, well, what was he saying? And he's like, I don't, I don't need to. I don't put myself in a position to pretend like I'm doing something just to meet somebody. I focus on me. I work on my goals. I work on what I need to work on and becoming the best version of myself in my business. And I meet the people I'm meant to meet as I'm meant to meet them. Mm. And it's the same with like, it's the same in dating. If you constantly say like, I'm going to go out to meet somebody, you're never going to fucking meet them. But if you're just working on you and doing your thing, you'll be at a coffee shop. And if you're going to meet someone, you're going to meet somebody. Yeah. And it's oftentimes those organic ah. things that you're just like, wow, this just makes more sense to pursue, whether it be pursuing a romantic relationship off of that or pursuing a business together or maybe you just collaborate some totally. s- sort of way. Yeah. And it, I think that's even how you and I met. It's like it could have been contrived. It could have been yeah. a reach out and making it known. It's like or you just support. You go like when you had your book signing and showed up, you support you. You're there to say authentically and it, it mushrooms into something awesome that can happen or sometimes not. But at mm-hmm. least it's coming from a place of authenticity versus like forcing it constantly. Yeah, I'd say I'd speak a lot on um, I do call it networking still. But maybe we need to come up with a different word for it because I'm a firm believer that networking shouldn't be transactional. Yeah. 
Um, none of our relationships should be transactional if we can avoid it, right? No yeah. one likes to feel like they were sold on something or like you were given something and then in return, we've I've actually talked about this with some other entrepreneurs in the, the LA area of, yeah, it's like when a brand organically gifts you something not to post about it, but just says, hey, here you go. I think this would benefit you. And, you know, if you like about it, just tag us yeah. <laughs> kind of deal. I feel way more inspired and created yeah. or creative in that space rather than when they reach out and they're like, okay, we're going to give you, for example, we're going to give you a software sweatshirt and here are the five deliverables that yeah. we need from you in return. And I'm like, I kind of almost just rather pay yeah. for the sweatshirt and not be tied to anything. A hundred percent. Cause you start to value your own time and you're like, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything. Unless it's something I really love, like if a brand reaches out and you're like, oh, sweet, I was going to buy that anyways. Sure, I'll post about it. But even that's how I approach even any kind of influencer marketing and things. And like, that's how we've gotten to where we've gotten. It's mm-hmm. very authentic. Like, I will reach out and I'm like, hey, I hope to see you in it. Because I, and it's also like the founders reaching out. There's also an element of like, at the same time, expressing to someone like, hey, we don't have a lot of resources. So like, if you could, that'd be really great, especially the bigger people. And like, we, I don't think, I don't think people also understand the value and the weight that they hold mm. even if you have a thousand followers there's a thousand people and so even just doing something of like i love this hoodie thank you so much i love wearing it when i travel you could have 10 friends that are going on a trip that are like oh my god i've been looking for a hoodie thank you so much for this brand and like melissa wood posted for us during covid and i sold out overnight of a style i have never mm. in my life experienced the power of that yeah. but it was so authentic she I, I gifted it to her didn't ask for anything she genuinely loved it and it resonated with her audience and with her following that's incredible i was gonna that was gonna be one of my questions was what's been your experience with if you have a formal influencer marketing campaign or if it's very much just an intuitive you see someone you connect with someone and hey here you go here's here's a piece or two yeah i try to be strategic because resources are slim especially Mm -hmm. like we make everything here in LA and it's sustainably produced and the fabric, I mean, you know, it feels amazing and it's very high quality with that comes it's expensive as shit to yeah. make them and with minimums and all of those variables. So it's like we do budget out every season, like, okay, here's 50 gifting pieces that we're going to use. And this is going to be for our marketing essentially, but you have to be really, really smart and strategic about it. For the most part, I only gift once. Like, mm. I'll gift somebody something, but I'm not going to, like, every new season unless... <laughs> five more drops. Here right, yeah, here you go. Get one of everything. Unless they move the needle. Unless you're like, oh, shit, when this person posts, it correlates into 50 sales. Obviously, I'll give you things all day. But I think it's just also about... I think I was reading somewhere that nowadays it went, we went from customers needed to see something three times to make a purchase. It went to seven. Now we're at 11 times. Somebody mm. needs to see something 11 times before they finally say, fine, I'll buy it. I'm sure you and, you and I are both guilty yeah. of the ads will keep coming and finally you're like, all right, fine, I'll buy it. Yep. You might end up loving it, but it's like I try to choose communities and then build the communities. Like we have our software event coming up and it's I'm very, very strategic because I want people that are new into the community to come in or people that haven't experienced software. It's not playing favorites. It's not me being mean. It's being strategic on, hey, I only have 30 spots. I need 30 new people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean that waterfalls and cascades into 30 new audiences exactly. from there rather than. Yeah, you're just saturating the same audience over and over again. And even if it is adding towards that 11 total of 
okay, their audience now has seen it for the 11th, 10th time, whatever yeah. it may be. That's, that's very interesting. How's, I mean, you don't have a, I don't say it, you don't have a formal business background. No. What's been the learning curve over the past few years here Everything. as you're figuring it all out? Because people ask me that all the time. They're like, oh, like you look like you got it. I'm like, I'm just trying shit. Yeah, I'm just talking about <laughs> taking pasta, throwing it, and you're like, oh, it's stuck. Um, I mean, no, I dropped out of college. Nice. Crowd college dropout um i failed my pe class which is the most comical part because i'm so active right now that it's like it's just <laughs> embarrassing but anyways yeah i had a job and i was like ah fuck it i don't i don't need the degree and um so when i started software i had my business partner and he was the business guy mm-hmm. and it was funny because i put so much trust into that that i didn't end up realizing i actually ended up knowing more and i knew more about the specificities of our business and i think that's the important thing you don't need to know how to run a fortune 500 you just need to know how to run your shit so like for me with fashion i just need to know fashion i need to know manufacturing marketing like just in my wheelhouse i am not trying to take on more and when we first started software it was only solids i wouldn't even entertain a color or a tie or anything i said no we are your black hoodie you come for us you know you want your black tea you have it there's no logos it's very simple it's very minimalist we even used to heat press our tags so that you had nothing mm. then i started realizing and learning more oh god yeah, that doesn't really help us you know uh, <laughs> people are getting confused with the heat press okay now we need tags oh maybe we should add a logo so when people see it on they know what it is I just started kind of mushrooming and evolving. And then when COVID hit, honestly, I thought I was going to close the company. I was like, I'm fucked. I had 250K of inventory, dead stock. Nobody wanted it. I was, we had a few online sales that were like picking up when COVID first hit. And then one day my friend was like, you know, you should start tie-dyeing. It's kind of getting, becoming a thing. And I was like, I never tie-dyed it. I've fucking done this since I was like six. And I watched a tutorial and I bought Rit Dye, which I used to buy in Florida. And I just started making things. And then every day I'd post and be like, does anybody like this? And then that's when all these people, and my brother's a filmmaker, I took all these clips and I was like, Joe, can you help me make a video? And we made a video and we launched it April 8th. And I'll never forget. I was like, all right, here we go. If anybody wants custom, <laughs> sold out in two months. I sold out of everything to the point where people today are like, are you still doing custom? I'm like, nope. I could die happy, never tie dying again. But I made over 5,000 pieces myself. My house was, that's how Melissa Wood sold out of everything. My house was literally racks of clothes everywhere. My bathroom was 1,200 colors. And I just figured like what else am I doing I might as well make money save the company try a new and now I'm wearing a a pullover right now that's tie-dye because we have an entire tie-dye collection so it allowed me to pivot and that's what I'm learning kind of along the way is like when you have a small company you can steer quicker you Mm -hmm. know so if you see like this isn't working great try something else I don't know what I'm doing but we're trying yeah as you continue to grow how are you being mindful of keeping that adaptability and being able to change on a dime versus like the more people that are under software, you're scaling, you're yeah. bringing people on. It gets a little sticky. It gets a little yeah. complicated because it's not now it's not just you. Right. But I guess that's your point earlier about self-employed versus entrepreneur. Right. How are you steering that ship though? And being mindful of that as you continue to grow this. I'm trying to be realistic of whatever we're working on. It's like, because I, I, yeah, to your point, I used to do that. I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, we don't need a collection. Like, we can come out with one whenever we want. Who cares? It's, it's, the, it's, the fr- it's a wild west here. And I would order fabric and be like, all right, it'll be launching in May. There was no rhyme or reason. We would just say, okay, cool. We can do it in so May. close. Now, I actually have somebody that came and joined on the team like a few weeks ago. And um, he's phenomenal. And he is helping with all the planning and everything. And now we're like, okay, 
I understand why bigger brands have their sales campaign and have a season and have due dates and all that. Because yeah, we, we do have to structure a little bit. So I think there's a way that you can play like when it comes to marketing, let's say, secretly between you and I, I had our photo shoot the day before we launched our collection. And my photographer is one of my closest friends and he was like, don't ever fucking do this to me again. But like he sent me the photos one by, and it yeah. slowly started to trickle in. You can kind of manipulate that when you're like, uh, but the bigger scale of like the scalability of having product and understanding, sometimes you just have to tighten the ship and say like, hey, I'm so sorry to my wholesale. Like you didn't get me your order on time. I can't bend over backwards now to give you my inventory and then I'm going to have nothing to sell online. Mm. It worked when we were nobody and we had no online sales and nobody cared. I was happy to give the stuff. Yeah. So as we scale, it's just understanding those little nuances of like, you have to kind of stick it to the man sometimes, but then sometimes you have to be like, all right, but I get why they do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the the quick turnaround on the photography side of things. so bad for him. It's, it's, I feel like apparel is one of those industries, film and photography is probably another one of those where to the common person, they, they struggle to appreciate yeah. all that goes into that. Oh, yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's a picture, right? It's just right, me yeah. pulling out my iPhone right now, snapping a picture of you and be like, this is, this can go up on the website. It's like, no, no, no it really, it will actually sell better yeah. if you get a professional lens in here and then they go in the back end and edit just the lighting so that it looks like it's not edited mm -hmm. at all and not filtered. And then it goes up. Same thing with apparel. I mean, I'm figuring it out as I go. I'd probably need to, to take more notes from you of being like, okay, so seasonal campaigns, <laughs> how many pieces are we dropping? What's that? Because right now it very much so is, oh, like we just did a, a You Are Loved hoodie. And I was like, I just like that saying. I'm going to print, find a print on demand place that yeah. fulfills that. And let's get that embroidered on the front, throw the logo on the back. Boom, done. Let's go. But even that, it's like, oh, that costs mm -hmm. like – I want to say 30 something dollars yeah. just to do one piece yeah. then. So there's a reason why the pricing is what it is. Uh, I just, I want to highlight that because I have a newfound appreciation for the apparel industry as, as a whole and fashion as a whole. Because I'm like, Oh, mm -hmm. there's a reason why a high quality hoodie can't be marked at $30. Right. It's like when people come to me, they're like, well, I can get a Bella canvas hoodie for 12, like $25 printed. I'm like, well, go fucking ahead. Yeah. It's a, it's a piece of shit. It's made overseas. It's like super shitty polyester. I'm like, enjoy it. But what we do, it's like, you try your best. And I, the apparel industry is very similar to the restaurant industry. First of all, I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. But second of all, <laughs> you don't go into it unless you know what you're doing. Otherwise, like, I, and everybody says, like, oof, the apparel. Because you're not even just talking, not even like most of these CPG brands where it's like, okay, you have five products, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you have, or you have like a skincare or toothpaste, whatever it is. And you have this skew, this skew, this skew. Just keep making the same thing. With apparel, you have sizes, you have colors, you have styles, and then how many people, you know what you should make? It's like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. Wow, I had no... We should make socks well shit. And it's like, well, can I explain to you how that works? It's like sampling, put about $10,000 for research and development. Then minimums, you're talking about 500 to 1,000, plus fabric minimums, plus different colors, plus yeah. the inventory on the sizes. Then the head starts to spin. You're like, yeah, 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 welcome to my life. 
it's really hard to keep that, and that's why Stu joined our team because that's his expertise. Mm. He's been a buyer for 20 years. He un- understands inventory planning, mapping out all that. And for me, I had to put my ego aside and say, I'm not good at that. And mm. like, admit, and I think that's what makes the best entrepreneur. And that's why I always say, like, start doing everything yourself because then you start to realize where your strengths lie and where you should outsource. So, like, I don't need to outsource on photography and the creative. I love doing that. That, to me, is what we're good at, the events and those things. Pff, fuck if I know how to do anything else. So, it's like, I put, I've, I don't want to be CEO. I will tell you that right now. I don't need it for my ego. And that's mm. where I pass the baton. But I only would have known that if I didn't, you know, if had it hadn't done everything for the last yeah. three years by myself. Yeah. And you try it, too. <laughs> that whole pasta sticking thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you <laughs> this image. You brought back this memory of when you were saying minimums and all that. I remember a buddy of mine, Phil, works in – he's like that third party in between, between mm-hmm. creators and wholesale mm-hmm. and buying and all that fun stuff. So anytime a creator wants to go make a one-off apparel type deal or get into that, Phil's the guy yeah. uh, to go and do it. And I've learned so much from him. But I remember the first conversation when I was like, I want to do hoodies. <laughs> like, okay, cool. And I was like, I'm thinking like 10. And he goes <laughs> – Nope. Let's try again. Like you want all of these customizable things on there. Uh, we need to do at least a hundred. Yeah. I was like, but a hundred at 20 something dollars a hoodie. That's a $2,000 check that I'm writing and I haven't sold anything. He was yeah. like, uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Welcome so to life. <laughs> this is, this is the game. Um, you try to play it well and you anticipate things and hopefully you sell out and hopefully you, you price your margins in a way that allows you to become made whole before you sell out the whole inventory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just brought back that memory to me. Of, it was so eye-opening. You learn like, a lot oh. along the way. Oh, my God. I mean, I didn't know any of this. When yeah. I first started, it's like, why can't we have 40 different and this and this and this? And you're like, eh, let me stop you right there. It's like, we're doc, 500 minimum on fabric. You're instantly, your balloon gets deflated. And you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> 500 yards. And then it's like, oh, but if you're going to do 250, you have an upcharge. You're like, oh, God, that's really eating into my margins. Oh, God. And then post-COVID now. All of our costs went up 40%. Everything mm. across the board, fabric, manufacturing, even our, our hang tags, the, the things that go, everything went up in cost. And it's like, I can't eat that. You have to then, Pass unfortunately, and yeah. the consumer has to take that. And it's, it's, it's hard to articulate that to people to explain, like, I don't want to do this. But if you want new, and even us, we're still identifying now because it's a risk. Every time we come out with a new collection, we're taking a gamble. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to sell. So I came out with, what, six new colors? Some of them are doing so well that we're like, Ooh, thank God we went heavy on that. And then others were like, oh, thank God we only made 10 of those because that's, you know what? That's the yeah. gifting. That's the gifting color. Nobody wants it. We learned we never do this color again. And it, it's trial and error. So I understand. Try sinking in $150,000 into production and you're like, <laughs> fuck, I hope we sell those. And that's why we then just go heavy. We're like black and navy. Yeah. You can never go wrong on having your core stocked. And even now we're still re we're still tweaking the business. Like for fall, we dropped like four colors. I'm like, you know what? We're seeing even now with spring, we released all these new things and everyone keeps buying the same thing. Yeah. Why are we gonna do this? Mm. That's so interesting. It's it's interesting when you really start to look at the numbers because you think you know. Yeah. And then when you look at the data, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to, that was going to be my question. Was like, how much of this is based off of intuition versus data-driven decisions at this point in the company for you? It's a bit of both because data 
data is always going to be what we really use that for is sizing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, look across the board when you're doing something. Predominantly for men, our number one size is a medium. It used to be a large, and then all of a sudden it became the medium. And I literally, like, our men's tees, we've already sold like 40% in the, like three weeks. Like, it's insane. We just sell them all day. Thank God we went heavy on the mediums. Yeah. Last season we didn't, and we were sold out within the first two weeks, and I was like, well, shit. And so you learn your lessons. Colors are tough because you're doing something new. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of go, okay, hey, we did a pastel last year, like the baby blue. Mm, didn't do as well as we thought it was going to, or it did really, really well. So this year we'll do three pastels because that's great for spring. And then, so that's a bit of the, let's see what happens. And we always go on, we make so few of everything because mm -hmm. of the minimums that we have when it comes to the, the colors. We spread it across all the styles. So you can get away with making 30 to 40 of each. Eh, at least you're not sinking in 500 of every color yeah. like we do with black and navy. So we have enough data on those colors, anything new. And then above that, it's really trend. So if we're looking in like we looked around and we're like, oh, wow, everybody did lavender this year. Cool. At least we're on trend. Yeah. Could be a double-edged sword. Ironically, the lavender is not our top seller right now, even though it's, it's everywhere. And every brand I see is doing it. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the consumer wants. Yeah. That was going to be... Another question I had was kind of around lead time because it's not a fast no. process at all, nope. especially the more I'm hearing you talk about the back end of things. It's it's not all custom cut and sew, is it? Yeah, it is. is. So okay, the cool. fabric is custom, which adds insult to injury because you're like, at least if I could go. So, for instance, our fall collection was completely damaged. The dye mm. house ruined every single solitary piece. I couldn't. That was it. I was fucked. Good. Say goodbye to our busiest season. All of my wholesale accounts had to be refunded. Say goodbye to everything because it's eight weeks for fabric, month for cut and sew, then finishing. Then if we do the tie-dyes, they have to go to the dye house. That takes another two to three weeks. And they go back to finishing and they have to be done. So that's where I used to say, oh, well, whatever. We'll just launch it here and not care. Now we're like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's like a four-month process. Yeah, you just lay it we just, Exactly. And then you're like, and in that four-month, then you're still talking about like, shit, then we have to plan the marketing. Then we have to plan our wholesale. Then we have to map out when this is going to launch. So that's where the structure came in that mm. Stu implemented of like, I hate to do this to you. May 15th deadline for fall. And you're like, okay, you know what? I used to let it go until August and be like, yeah. oh, you can still order. Who cares? Now we're working on spring 2023. And we're going to have that done by August when we're getting on the cadence of all the other brands because there's a thing called Active Collective. It's like our trade show. Uh-huh. When that's happening, that's when the buyers are out, and that's when we know, okay, we have to have that season done. Otherwise, they're going to go. They're going to buy everything, and then your dollars are spent, and good luck getting your wholesale accounts. Mm. What's that process been like over <laughs> the years? It sounds like you're refining these systems constantly. Constantly. Because we're trying to, you're trying to accommodate to the customer because you need to, of mm -hmm. course. You're like begging them to take your product at the end of the day because wholesale is free marketing. It's, they're buying the product from you. Thank you. They're helping you promote it. They're getting it into the customer's hands. We are tactile. So it's amazing to have a store habit where you can interact with the product. But with that comes, like, I'll, I can't tell you how many of my clients, I'll write in the emails in bold, Make sure you order enough because I cannot guarantee that we will have immediates for you. Come the season, if we sell out of black online, I, I can't accommodate for you. Like clockwork. Everyone. Never buy enough. And they're always coming, oh, please, 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 can you just find them? I'm like, I'm, I, this is not Santa's workshop. No, I can't. So it's like training your wholesale. And I've been tweaking this for the last four years because wholesale was my background. I had been doing that for a few mm. years already. And seeing how strict brands were, I wanted to change that. And that's that one part of the business that you're like, Ugh. as much as you want to stick it to the man. I want, exactly. I want it. to. And it's like, well, I kind of can't. 
because of the manufacturing aspect and things. And that's where I think people, the consumer doesn't really understand all that goes into a season. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh man, we've been doing this for, like I said, we're working on spring 2023 right now. So what's going to come out next year? I'm already, I already got it going. That's insane. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you think about that lead time, I always, <laughs> I always joke with people because um, now that having done a little bit of apparel and I'm very much a novice compared to what you're doing at this point, I'm like, people come up to me and they're like, so, like, did you go custom ink? Like, which <laughs> way did you do it? And I was like, you can go custom ink if you would like. You go spend for the money. it. Um, it's also going to be expensive too. Yeah, you want to spend it, sure. Like, go for it. But it's, yeah, there's so much to it. It's such a complex world. It's not a, so simple as you mocked up a design on whatever right. graphic design platform you're using and you slapped it on a t-shirt. Right. And you, and you yeah. can. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. But you're going to get what you see when you go out to you're, like, you're going to go on the boardwalk. And exactly. Get, <laughs> get your like alternative apparel shirt with like a super cheesy California logo that I, someone's printing. pressed on. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, whilst I love, I can't tell you how many clients will be like, our influencers will reach out. I want to do a, a collab. I'm like, Ugh. All right, let's go. And they're like, I want to do um, like five new styles and 10 colors. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to stop you right there. I had to do that to a friend. Her boyfriend wanted to give her something to do. So she's yeah. like, let's do it. And we mocked it out. We're like, it's going to be a $100,000 investment. And, of course, she's like, oh, we were thinking like $10,000. i am like, here's like, five. Same. Yeah, exactly. I'm I like, would love for it to be $10,000. I wish. It's like, I'm like, here you go. That's what you can choose from. And so that's where I educate my customers all the time on it. And then you see that the disconnect between it or the same with people. You should make this, that whole mentality of like, you don't understand how long it's taken me four years to perfect the styles I have now. Mm. I just tweaked our top selling tank. I made changes to it this year because it was still, I was like, "Mm, a lot of customer feedback. They're all saying it's a little short. We're going to make it an inch longer. That's why it's like adding new styles. It's not worth it because by the time you research and develop and get the fit and get everything perfected, then manufacture it, which you'll have issues. Then you get it live. And then like we did, we did it with the shorts and it was a bust. Mm. We were shocked. Everybody wanted them. And you're like, well, thank God we didn't do that many. We put them on sale. You call it a day. You dust off your knees and you keep walking. But that's why with most brands, I'm like, keep it simple, stupid, as my teacher used to say. Just make the same thing in different colors until you've perfected it and you have such a devoted following then add something new. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of doing the one-off collabs or the. It's not worth it. It's not worth anyone's time unless it's somebody, it's like a celebrity. It has to be somebody that's so big or even now I'm not going to say their name, but we're doing a collab with a really big TV personality. And even she was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to go through all this. Just I love this color. Cool. I will take the blue tie dye. And you're like, sick. Sweet. Sweet, thank you. That's a clear, <laughs> that's a clear, great. I'll just drop them off the die house. We've already done it. We don't have to develop it. And then I have another client who, she doesn't like this. I want to change. I'm like, girl, it's a hundred dollars every single time you want a new sample. Mm. So pony up. And then it's, oh, I don't want to pay. You're like, well, then we're not doing this. It's expensive to do. Yeah, but it's worth it. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the freedom and the flexibility that going the route that you've gone allows you to innovate and truly put something out into the market that solves the the pain points and the issues that you clearly saw a number of years and that still exist out there and in the space as well. It's yeah. Versus like you're handcuffed if you're using a print on demand, a whatever route you choose to go. Yeah. They both have their pros and cons. Yeah. But like you said, the pro of me knowing like I'm doing something different versus 
I mean, I can't. How many times do you see a new your friend? Oh, I started a new company, and you're like, oh my god, did you buy? Did you buy that from the same manufacturer? Because there's a lot of people that do private label, and it's like, what's different about that? Mm. So you slapped your logo on the chest, like that. Why would I buy that? At least pay the extra dollar fifty <laughs> to get the get the other the Gildan label off the back. Exactly and, to cut through something new with a champion sweater, and it's like, I think that's just always my thing. Is like. Whenever I hear friends or anybody start a new brand, it's like, can you make me care about this? Mm. Can you make me give a shit about what you're doing? Because if you just tell me it's just something else because you wanted to be start a business, I don't see that lasting. Mm. Do you think that's why four years into this, you, I mean, it sound, obviously you have your ups and downs, mm. but you sound like in high spirits and... <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> it, it, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, it's now like two two p.m. on a <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, the caffeine is hit. We're good. You feel pretty good, balanced <laughs> out. Um, but do you think a lot of that has to do of what software was born out of? Like, how important is that why behind the day to day grind for you? Honestly, it's the reason we're here for sure. Because I think. I would have given up a long time ago if I didn't hold on to the why. Mm. Like, my mom is still with me all the time. Like, she came and helped me do inventory. And the poor woman, it was the day that we had, like, 98-degree weather here. And we were in the factory with no AC upstairs filling bins. And, like, I literally had a mental breakdown because I was so overwhelmed. It's like, I have the the run and then the hurry up and wait moments. So Mm -hmm. it's like, we'll go through two months where I'm like, oh, God, there's not that much for me to do per se besides like manage the business and keep going. And then all of a sudden a month will come where I've never been so overwhelmed and inundated with problems and issues. And I literally broke down and my mom, she love her to pieces and she knows how to do this. She'll always be like, oh, you know what? It's okay. Let's just liquidate. We'll get you a job. And the minute she starts, I'm like, all right, okay, okay, it's enough. Like, we're done. Let me put the big curl pants on and wipe the fucking tears and keep going. And I think that is truly what keeps me going is because the fear of failure is terrifying to me. But sometimes the fear of success could even be scarier. And I have to push through that all the time to understand that, like, I chose this. I can't be mad at anybody when I have my low moments. And I think now that we're almost entering our fourth year and I feel like I'm learning to... <laughs> it's sound terrible. Like hit it and quit it. Or like I'll do something and yeah. I walk away. I don't dwell on it. I don't sit and like monitor the sales. You do it and you put it out there. And it's like that's part of the manifesting. Is I believe it's going to happen. It's an if not a when. And I I do everything I physically can within my power to get to that road. But I also learn to surrender and say like it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And you know how many brands you hear of they were about to close and then they got this one article that blew them up. And it's like I, I'm I'm prepared for that day. Mm. And that just keeps me going all the time because I also then think of what's the alternative? Closing the company and getting a job. That's scarier to me than anything else I'm going through. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound fun. I have a really interesting resume yeah. for the past four years. I, I actually <laughs> thought about that the other day. I was like, all right, if you actually did this, let's say you just – because I will be 100. You know I keep it 100 all the time. I think about closing this company like every week. Every week, I'm like, I can't do this. How many times I've said that? And my mom's like, all right, here we go. And she's my sounding board. She just already knows when I call her. And she's like, okay, let's have the talk. And I literally thought, and I was like, fuck, what would I put on my resume? Like, what do you, and then I was like, what job would I get? Where would I even go? It just, it feels so foreign to me that this is actually my only option. And I probably shouldn't put that much pressure on myself, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy that when I told him we were catching up, and he just paused and he goes, you know, whether this works out or not, um, you'll have one hell of a resume <laughs> by the time. Like, if you choose to go back into that true. corporate world, you'll have one hell of a resume. I was like, 
Yeah, I hope I don't have to ever explain in a job interview <laughs> what <Why>? happened. <laughs> I'd almost be like, well, how much time do you got? Yeah, you're <laughs> like, hey, I know you want to hire me to help your business be successful. Mine failed. But let me tell you, you're like, no, no, nobody wants to have that conversation. But I think it's also just say, what experiences do you bring to the table? And I actually always think, I'm like, shit, am I going to be overqualified for a lot of these jobs? Like, I just did. I do every job that people have full time. I do them all in yeah. a week. And you're like, oh. Isn't that the best? People are like, oh, who did your graphics? Uh, you're looking at... <laughs> My friend got mad at me. She's like, why the fuck didn't you have me do it? I'm like, oh, I didn't want to ask. She's like, I get annoyed with you. And I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> you're just so used to it. I'm so on autopilot to do everything. Like, I fulfill the orders. I write the thank you cards. I still connect. Like, everybody that writes in, I'm still emailing, even though sometimes I pretend it's not me. If they're mean, I will. But <laughs> <laughs> Our team is looking at it. It's really me. I always am. <laughs> like, let me connect you to my team. Because I'll be like, you can write into info at... Oh, here's my secrets. Now everybody's going to know. But <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I don't know. The life that I've built, I think it's one of those moments, like, you believe in manifestation. You believe in the power of it. And it's not until you have it where I'm like, I mm. fucking did this myself. And you have to give yourself that. Because I, I'm in therapy every week, and my therapist is always like, great. You just talked about all the things that you didn't do right. Can we talk about the things that you did do well? Yeah. And it's like, I get to wake up every day in this beautiful, sunny place. I manifested this life for myself. I left New York and came out here, and I literally envisioned the dog walks. And, like, sometimes I pinch myself because I'm like, Clem, you and I did this together. That's my dog. Like, we did this. We manifested this walking on the beach right now, me answering an email and, like, dealing with this, like, awesome celebrity or, like, planning an event or doing something. I'm like, when I, before I started software, I kept saying, I'm going to have these sit-down dinners and I'm going to do it. And I have my first one coming up and I'm like, you go. did it. Like, yeah. it's not the obvious hit you in the face like, oh, my God, I met Mr. Right. But the more you truly, like, let go of it and truly just believe and see the life that you want – forget how it's going to happen. That's not your fucking problem to deal with. It's like my mom when she was sick. I'd always be like, mom, it doesn't matter what's going to happen or how. Just know that it's going to be okay. Mm. What I'm hearing a lot of too, and you, I love that you keep bringing up manifestation because there's the, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love to debate that word with people. Let's especially, go. Especially out here. No, <laughs> what, what I'm hearing from you is you're, I wouldn't, I think it's because you're from coming from the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. You don't fall into the classic LA, oh, I just manifested this. It's like, uh, did you though? Did like you? there's a difference between sitting around dreaming and yeah. writing in your journal that you want a certain thing or you taking the time to visualize. That all has value. It's great. But at the end of the day, stuff still needs to happen. What's like, the action? You need to take steps to yeah. move the needle towards that manifestation. And if you do that and your actions are in alignment with what your vision for your life is right. Then yes, quote unquote, by chance or an overnight thing, you and I both know that doesn't actually exist, but an no. overnight thing will happen and it's like, oh, cool. And it seems to only be you're not the one surprised by it no, and it's like, happens. It's like it's the prime example when you're dating and you manifest the dream partner that you have and people are like, and I manifested him and it's like. No, you were very clear about what you wanted, so you identified it in that person. Mm. Because if it were you six months ago that didn't know these are all the credentials that I want, you wouldn't have met the, taken the actions to meet that person or to give that person a chance. It's the same thing with me. Like, I manifested this life in L.A. It's like, no, I envisioned it, mm -hmm. and I made it happen. I then took the steps needed to take, like, let get rid of this, do this, move this. You start moving the puzzle pieces. It's not like, like I had a friend. Do you watch Arrested Development? 
No. Okay. There's one character on there called Tobias Funke. For anyone that knows this, you'll understand the reference. And he's the like unemployed actor that all he keeps saying is he's manifesting and he's dream, but he doesn't do anything. And his wife always says, she's like, but you have never even gone on an audition. And I had a friend like that. She lived on her fucking couch on couches for 10 years because she just refused to get a job. No, mm. I'm manifesting and I'm vision boarding. And it's like, that's great, girl, that you are spending four days doing manifestation and vision boarding and clear on what you want. But without getting an agent and going for the auditions and putting yourself out there, no one's going to knock on your door and be like, ma'am, you're the perfect person for our audition. That's just not how that happens. Yeah. So, and it's the same with being a business owner. Yes, you can manifest it, but all that means is that you're just very clear on your vision and you're taking the actionable steps to get there. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's the power of those exercises of the vision boarding. Like, I love vision boarding because it is <coughs> helping you actually see where it is that you want to go, yeah. creating that North Star. I mean, the, the name of the, the podcast being Forever Athlete Radio is really trying to help <coughs> show people that there is a North Star post-sport. Yeah. You just might have to spend a little bit more time uncovering that and discovering that. It's not as simple as sitting down at the start of season. You set your goals, and it's like, oh, yeah, All-American, conference title, like, yeah. easy, done. I know exactly where I'm going. It might take a little bit more time now. Yeah. Do you vision board and, and visualize your goal set? If so, what does that look like? Or is it more just what is it? what does that process look like? I, um, I've been doing this for a while, probably the last like 12, 13 years as I will every new moon, new moon or full moon. I can't remember. I think it's new moon. I will write down and I do it more so to kind of cut, get back in touch with myself of mm -hmm. like, okay, if I'm like, I'm single. So if I'm doing it for like, I want to attract the right partner or goals for the business or things like that, I'll do it just so I have it clearly in my head so that I can identify it when I'm doing it. So if I know like, Okay, software's going to hit a million, two million, five million, whatever the number is that you want to put. And that's the goal for the year. And I'll write that as if it happened. I don't sit there and, like, meditate on it and do a ritual and do that. Like, I just say it and I will just, in my gut, I'm like, that's what's going to happen. Mm. And I surrender. And that's, that's the process for me. I meditate every morning when I wake up. And on the contrary, I think I do the opposite of manifestation. I try to empty. I try to, like... <laughs> Get it all out. Stop thinking about it. Because the more I think that you focus on it, and like I think that's what's dangerous about people that are like, yep. every single day I write down, it's like, you know, you're harping on it. You're obsessing over it. And you're not allowing life to happen. Mm. So I think it's like once a month, it's great to get really clear on what you want and where you are. And you're like, hey, let's just, let me, let the little TB, a little touch base with myself. Yeah. But that's kind of the extent to it because I, I don't want to dwell and focus so heavily on something to where you suffocate it from happening. That's absolutely it. Yeah. I jam out and nerd out on flow. Yeah. And that's one of those. It's It's just like ever – it can almost be ever fleeting for so many people. It's one of those things that actually the more you do in your life to set up the perfect structure to force flow to happen in the moment when you need it to happen, it doesn't happen. Never, Never does. Never does. And then the moment that you just kind of like – stop caring yeah. a little bit <laughs> it allows you to take a step enough back where it's like oh huh i just like dropped in because you're releasing the attachment to it yeah it's like, and then it's like it it parallel there's so many things that parallels in my life like that but when you release the attachment to something you allow it to just happen 
if you believe that something's going to happen, like I, when I say, okay, software's going to hit this number for goals, I let go of the number. I know obviously like what we need to hit every day for us to hit expenses and things like that. That's, that's being a smart business owner, but this overarching, like we're going to get to a hundred million. It's like, okay, let's start breaking that down and go to, let's get to a million or 5 million or 10 or wherever you are in your business. Mm -hmm. And then it's just every day taking actions of like, cool. So today, what are we going to do to make one small step to get there? Is that a new contact? Is that reaching out to somebody new? Is that maybe focusing on ads or focusing on something specific in the business? I think that's where it takes place and less of, oh, because I manifested it. It's like, no, you worked your ass off for it. And I think that's also where I get frustrated with LA a lot of the times. It's like, stop giving your power away and all of the hard work that you've done into, oh, well, the universe did it. It's like, no, man, you did it. Yeah. The universe facilitated it, but you implemented it because the universe could bring you everything you want. And if you are not clear enough on what you want to see it, just keep going. Have you always been that way? No. Able to, <laughs> how, so how, what, walk me through that process of being able to step away from the attachment piece and really like, it sounds like a lot of it is letting go of certain expectations yeah. and being open to the possibility of what can happen in that moment. What has that process been like for you, that learning experience? A total 180 from where I am now. When I first started the business, I was like a noose around the neck. I would constantly like, I was watching every step and refreshing the numbers and every five seconds looking, 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 and I lost my life. Mm -hmm. And this is like a newfound perspective for me because I, I went to New York recently and it just, I think I just opened my eyes. I realized how much I had changed, how much I had grown from when I was there and how all of these things, like my favorite saying, I relax, I let go, my life is in flow. And I started to realize like, okay, prime example. This is, the, this is my friend Larry, shout out to him for putting this into perspective. And he says it for dating and for professional. He's like, treat your life as a store. When you have a customer come in, he's like, do you chase them if they didn't buy? Mm. No. You keep doing what you're doing. You know the value of your product, specifically when you're dating, but a lot as well when you're in your professional world. And that's how I live my life now. What kind of customer is this? Okay, Corey is the kind of customer in my life that comes back consistently. He shows up, he supports, he puts it, okay, that's somebody that's gonna get my attention. Or then you have somebody that you're like, it's a window shopper. They're wasting my time. They keep coming back, but they're never buying. And they're just wanna, mm. just wanna use you for your energy. And that's helped me let go of a lot of things of like, hey, there's no hard feelings against anything that I'm letting go of, but I know what's for me won't pass me. And I think because for so long I tried to hold on and then I realized recently where it, like when you let go, you're like, hey, just let the chips fall. Just let it go. And I know it's so much easier said than done. You're talking to a recovering anxiety, like anxious ball who I have to know everything and where everything's going and how it's gonna fit into place and everything. But meditating has allowed me to have the space between that. I've started to realize I respond, I don't react. Mm. And like even this morning, I was on the phone with USPS for like an hour and a half because a package went missing. That was a lot of stuff. And then they hung up on me. And I used to get enraged and cry and scream and get pissed. And I just called back and I was like, just please don't put me on hold. And we rectified it. And she was awesome and she was able to help because you relaxed and you just said, okay, I can only control me. Mm. That's all I'm trying to do right now is just control me. And when you do that, oof, you just, the rest kind of falls. Shout out to USPS. They're just doing their job. And boy, are they not <laughs> doing a great job at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's takes a lot. And you hear that saying, kill them with kindness. 
That's but true. I, I truly, what I've recognized there too is, you know, when there is a problem and like there's going to be conflict and, and disagreements yeah. and even more so when you start to open up a business oh, <laughs> and yeah. try Emotions to resolve that. And- yeah. But no one benefits no. if the conversation <laughs> that isn't a conversation, an argument is just emotionally charged on both sides. Yeah. There is, it's pointless. You yeah. both walk around in circles. That worker could have a terrible day and you're going to have a terrible day as well. You're both going to walk away just being, wow, that lady was the worst. Yeah. I hope she never calls back again <laughs> type deal. Or you could choose what you, you just chose there, which I think is a really significant sign of growth to go back on there and just be like, hey, like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of exhausted and pretty frustrated. But I'm willing to work through this with you if you just hear me out. Yeah. And I'm not going to yell at you. No. It's like it's <laughs> – When we meet you there. It's having a little bit of vulnerability. Yeah. Showing a little bit of yourself of like ah, – when I called her, I was like, I'm really frustrated. I really just need to figure that. And I gave her my spiel. And she was like, all right, sweetie, how can I help? And it's like, oh. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Because I'm cares. like that. Yeah, when people write in, when I get that dick email, yeah. she's just like super rude. I instantly come back and like, who do you think you are? But when someone's really sweet, I'm like, okay all right, I'll help you out. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. And I think that's, again, it's just going back to like, I'm trying to find gratitude in the little moments. Like even now when I, when I walk home today, there are a lot of things that are scaring me or make me anxious or, Oh shit. What if we don't have a sale later today? And Oh my God, am I going to be alone forever? All of those ruminating thoughts. And then it's like, break it down. I challenge the thoughts all the time of like, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? Start, like, once you dissect it and you start going, I think that's also how I've been able to, to like, release a lot of control. You start to go, what's really the worst that's going to happen? Have mm. you ever been homeless? I, thank God, have not been homeless. Thankfully because we no. get, we, we always get what we need when we need it. Mm-hmm. And by surrendering, trusting in that, and just knowing, hey, I'm doing my best. I'm going to have a smile on my face, unless you really fucking piss me off. Then you're going to get it. But for the most part, I'm going to be nice because you are going to attract people that are genuine and authentic. The people that are not, no thank you. They're never going to help you anyways. And I learned that by kissing ass on the people that aren't. Mm. The real, you know what I mean? It's just such a waste of energy. Oh, it's depleting. And then you get home and you're just sitting there and it's like, And it affects you way more than it affects them. 100%. They don't even notice it. It's a blip on their screen. But you, you're ruminating and you're sitting and you're festering and it's it's taking over your day instead of just being like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. That's not going to affect me. And just, I get back in my lane. I'm like, oh, my side of the street's clean. Yours isn't? That's on you. Yeah. You had mentioned meditation and then also earlier therapy. Has that been a huge integral play or piece in your life and helping you cope with, I don't even say cope, but it sounds like, yes, the anxiety still comes up in yeah. your life. Absolutely. It's never going to be something that just totally goes away yeah. ever. Everyone gets it. Let's normalize that first and foremost. 100%. But it sounds like they've also taught you a lot of skills in that process. And it sounds you still go consistently, correct? Oh, yeah. Because to me, depression is focusing on the past and anxiety is focusing on the future. Mm. So what does meditation help me? Focus on the present. Here. Exactly. Yeah. Stay in the moment. And I've my mama always says you can't see the forest for the trees. And so it's like when you're standing at a stump, you don't see all that you've built. You're just seeing the one tree and you're like, it's not growing. Well, do you watch do you watch paint grow? No, yeah. no, no, nobody does that. You step back. So for me, 
years ago, I was like, I had a lot of childhood traumas and I let that take over and I would just use it as an excuse of like, well, you know, I know I'm not understood and all that. And there was no self-awareness. And so going into therapy allowed me to realize like, oh man, actions have a reaction. How I come off to people is how they're going to receive and just understanding how you come off and you being emotionally intelligent, aware, and also fucking realistic. I'll be the first person if somebody comes up to me and says something like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't realize it was going to impact you. You get people that are shocked and you're like, oh, because I took accountability? Yeah. You let go of the ego and therapy... Therapy was the start of it, of just having, of talking through. I did tapping for a while, which helped me challenge the thoughts. I don't know if you've ever familiar with tapping, but essentially you tap on like 10 different pressure points that are supposed to mimic like anxiety points like that. And you tap as you say the same sentence. So I used to have self-worth issues and I would just tap being like, I'm, I'm a piece of shit. And you keep going. And then you, as you're going, you're like, I'm actually, I'm not that bad. And you start dissect and you start going and you go. And then you eventually you're crying and you come out of it and you're like, why was I playing that narrative in my head? Mm. That then led me into ketamine treatments. Ketamine was game changing for me because it allowed me to then see, aha, there you are. You're literally stuck in that memory. You're on loop. You're coming from a 12 year old child. You're not speaking from an adult. Then coupling that with meditation, it's it's a constant. And I know I can see when I'm slipping. If I Like my friends, my best friend Raquel will call me and she's like, yo, did you go to therapy this week? She'll know. And I'm like, no, she canceled. And she's like, you better fucking double up next week because it's, a, it's like going to the gym. Yeah. If you don't practice that every single day and really put the effort into it, you're going to slip right back into your old ways. Then you're the definition of insanity, expecting the same results. Yeah. I, I love that it's so proactive in your life. Yeah. That's what I want to see more of in this world is that, you know, we all, we all are going to have struggles. We're all going to have ups and downs. But if we can be proactive with how we're treating them, yeah. same like it's no different than our physical health. Exactly. Right? Like you want to start getting physically healthier, you start working out. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's going for runs, walks, whatever it may be. But you – take the necessary proactive steps and you're reducing the risk of certain diseases and whatever coming into your life doesn't mean it won't still happen we see it all the time unfortunately of someone who's perfectly fit and some underlying thing came out yeah but it's the same thing with our mental health and i what i think is starting to happen very early stages is collectively as a society we're actually starting to not just see that, but we're actually valuing it. Yeah, and prioritizing it. Yeah, which is like, huge. I can't, how many times people, because I used to be like 35 pounds heavier than I am. I was not fit. Oh, I didn't even fucking walk a block. And now it's like, you know, you see I'm at the gym every day and I'm lifting and I'm, because I, I, it's not for vanity reasons. It's the same with my mental health. I'm like, I want to be the best version of myself. How yeah. can I, if I'm trying to have the best life and the best partners and the best people in my life, I need to show up as that. So that's like I had my friend. He was, I want to manifest and all this. And I'm like, cool. You just described everything you wanted in a partner. And I'm like, are you are you that? Mm. Are you there to get it back? So I know for me, no one is ever going to love me. as. That's very narcissistic of me. But no one's going to love me as much as I love me. Yeah. No one is going to put the work in for me like I will for me. So I show up every day. And I make it a point to meditate when I wake up. I don't, I'm done with the excuses. Well, I don't have time. Wake up five minutes earlier. Yeah. Stop being on your phone. 
It's the same when people, oh, I couldn't text back. Yes, you could. We're all on our phones all day. This is literally a device that's built in your hand. So you can find the time to go to the gym. I did. I worked a full-time job. I was working like 80 hours a week. I'd still work out in my hotel when I travel at midnight. Mm. Same with meditation. Same with therapy. It's a, if you're going to use excuses, might as well just excuse your life out. But if you really want to do something, and that's why most people don't, it's like, why don't girls work their ass off, literally, at the gym? Why don't you work mm. on your butt? I always ask my trainer. She's like, yeah, because it's really hard. It hurts. It takes a lot of dedication. And I'm doing that every week. I do three leg days because I want to grow my butt bigger. But it's so fucking hard. Yeah. But you're consistent and you show up every day and you push through and that's when you see growth. And I think a lot of people are scared of that because the status quo and the norm for them is safe. It's yeah. comfortable. It's, it's easy. St sit in my trauma. Let me stew. But if I really had to face myself and say... I'm part of the problem. Well, and it's scary, too, for a lot of people to fully go for it and it not to work out. Because if they truly gave their honest effort, then they're like... It wasn't enough. It, it was just me. Yeah. Like, I was the only... It, I wasn't enough. Um, but, you know, people ask me, like, why did I start... Why did I leave my... The country club that I was at and go do everything that I'm doing now? It's like... Because... I couldn't live with, like, having this idea and letting it just be this idea. I am totally okay with trying this out for a few years, going all in, and not regretting a second of it. No. What, what do you have to lose? Exactly. If you don't not bet on yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're not betting on yourself, no one else is going to bet on you. Yeah. But if you are coming in saying, like, I know my worth, I believe in what I'm doing, people are going to want to be part of it. And so I, I'm a full, full-on component proponent of like, get the fuck up. Like I, like Mel Robbins always says, five, four, three, two, one, and go. It's enough with the excuses. It's enough with trying to come up with a reason why you can't do it. Just like our friend, I don't like gym culture. I'm like, oh my god, it's enough. Like, just yeah. admit that you don't want to put the work in, but don't insult me by giving me a stupid <laughs> excuse that is very much in your control. Yeah, find another gym. Yeah, exactly. You don't. Like, you don't have. I know you go to Gold's Gym Venice, but you don't have to you go have to, to Gold's. Go there. Buy yeah. two dumbbells and take them to your apartment. It's all you need. Yeah. You need like a fifteen and a fifteen or a twenty. You're you're just starting out, and it's like, you start to chip away at people, and you're like, cool. Let's just get down to it. You don't want to put the work in. Mm. That's fine. But then don't come at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I don't want to say that simple, but. Kind of it, if, it can be. <laughs> if you take, I think we overcomplicate. It's yeah. like my brother always says. He's like, why do women in dating overcomplicate? He's like, just look at it as it is. And once you strip it away and you're like, huh. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, it really is. Like down to, we come up with all these reasons as to why the guy didn't call you. And you're like, just simplify it. Hey, he wasn't that into you. Yeah. So it's like, you want to make a change? Like I was literally smoking a pack a day. I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety and a mood stabilizer. Didn't need any of those. I just needed therapy. Um, I was eating like a six-year-old at loose in a grocery store. It didn't work out. I was, in a, I was in a relationship I wasn't happy in. I was overweight. I had every reason not to make any changes. And mm. one day I literally woke up and I was like, I'm fucking done. I cut everything cold turkey. The withdrawals were brutal. Three months of like legit withdrawals. Acne, head spot, all of that shit. But I did it. It shows you how much tougher you are. We are so much more resilient than we actually think we are. So just fucking do it. Yeah. That's it. That's the moral of this podcast. Just do it. Boom. Sorry, Nike. It's <laughs> yeah. software's oh, new yeah. motto. Oh, yeah. My bad. Just try to do it. Can we, like, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. Nike, it. Nike won't listen to this. We'll yeah, be fine. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're not. Um, 
this was fantastic. I want to, before we wrap with the Fast Five, I just want to take a second to, I, I know I said it in the beginning, and you definitely didn't disappoint, but I just want to acknowledge the full transparency, the openness that you share, um, because I think it does further that conversation, and it helps more people than you know, and myself included. So thank you well, thank for you just for being you. Me. Well, thank you for allowing me to be my yeah, it. of course. Um, I want to end with the fast five. Okay. So it'll be rapid fire, one sentence, one word answers. Okay. First one being, what's your go-to podcast that you're jamming to? Uh, you Up Podcast. Ooh. Need to go check it out. It's, Number, it's a good one for dating. Okay. Yeah. Number two, what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Mm, single on Purpose. Number. It's, yeah. I, I, but the Angry Therapist is the... The second one? The, the author. Okay. Number three, what's a quote you live by? What's for you won't pass you. Number four, what's something you can't live without? My dog. <laughs> Number five, if you could sum up your focus right now into one word, what is that? Growth. Mm, beautiful. Sabrina, thank you so much again for, for coming through. Where can those connect with you, connect with software, and all the amazing things that you're putting out into this world? Um, so on uh, the, 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 the weird thing that we like to call Instagram, uh, Sabrina.Zohar is mine, and then Wear Software, W-E-A-R, soft, W-E-A-R, little play on words, um, and then wearsoftware.com. Um, and we are just called software, but Wear Software is the handle. Beautiful. Yeah. Someone else has it. Has the someone else has oh. software, and I was like, motherfuckers. The freaking worst. Yeah, someone has Forever Athlete on Instagram right now. I've tried to message them, like, do you want to give it up? Nah. They They're like, no. 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 They never do. They never, they never do. do. They see your company and then they think. They think uh, you have way more resources than you actually do, and they're like, it will be $50,000 yeah. for the handle. Oh, like, that's fine. We'll be wear software. Exactly. Thank you. We'll put a dot. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Sabrina, again, thank you for your time. Of course. Appreciate you. Appreciate you being here with us. Take a second to leave a review and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening. It means more than you know. And until next time, flow on, my friends.